Welcome, and let's get to our daily Bible reading for Ephesians chapter 3. So well into this letter that Paul writes to the Christian church in Ephesus, uh, Paul now again reminds them who he is. He says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. That's a, a common phrase for Paul. If you look in the letters, he oftentimes refers to that. Uh, a prisoner in, in the greatest sense, and Paul knows what a prisoner is like. If you remember in the book of Acts, Paul's been a literal uh, earthly prisoner a number of times being thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. Um, he also was a prisoner to uh, his false way of, of teaching when he was uh, um, not a Christian before God turned him around. And then when God turned him around, God literally made him a prisoner. Paul could do nothing, he says, uh, oftentimes, but preach about Jesus Christ and tell about the good news of him because he knows that if, if Christ hadn't turned him around, uh, that he would be dead. Uh, but he considers it to be a great thing to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I would just as soon be in, uh, rather than be in the prison of my sin or the prison of this world, a prison of someone else, um, which we're going to be, I would much rather be in Christ's prison because in that prison, I know what kind of treatment I'm going to get. I know I'm blessed by God. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm loved by him to be indebted to him for the rest of my life to, to try to say thank you for something I could never pay for uh, isn't such a bad thing. And uh, that uh, word prisoner, bond servant, uh, doulos, is, is what Paul considers himself too. And not a bad thing for us as well to be a servant, or a good thing for us as well to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, because, by the way, we call him Lord, which means he's our master and we are, we are under him. And Jesus Christ himself was willing to be a servant. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So that's not a bad title to have. He's a prisoner, and then he brings up the mystery of Jesus Christ. That is something that's been revealed to us, to Paul and to us, and, and something that's always been true about God. Um, and that is that God sent his Savior into the world to be the Savior of anyone and everyone who would believe in him. It's not limited to the Jewish race, not limited to anyone else. And you got to remember, Paul's audience here has come out of a, a time or is in a time where they thought that, um, some thought at least, and taught uh, that that the Savior just came for the Jewish nation. And, and Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles. If you read in Acts, you can find out that. Uh, uh, Paul goes to the Gentiles. Peter, the apostle Peter, goes to the Jews. And uh, because they, they they split ways and, and they, they had double the missionary work done. So again, the, the, um, uh, the genius of God and the wisdom of God in, in uh, breaking up these two uh, in two great missionaries to not uh, uh, double up on each other, but to go uh, separate places and be able to reach more and more people. Uh, and that's a wonderful mystery. Um, and something hidden by God, but now made known to us. Now, it's kind of interesting, uh, the word sacrament that we use for baptism and Holy Communion in the Latin uh, comes from the word for mystery. Uh, in other words, there's something there more in baptism than just the water and just those words. The Bible tells us we receive the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of our sins, become a part of the family of God. Same way with the Lord's Supper, there's more than just bread and wine here. Jesus says somehow, mysteriously, sacramentally, um, spiritually, uh, in, a re in a real way, he says, this is my body and this is my blood. He makes it happen, even though it tastes in my mouth like bread and wine. It's the body and blood of Jesus Christ because he says so. That's the power of that, that wonderful mystery. And even a little bit of the way that we decorate the church, the robe that I wear, the, the candles, the pulpit, the altar, and all of that is intended to be something that's kind of out of this world, draw us out of the, the baseness and the lowness of this world that we see in the news every single day. We witness in our own heart too and lift us up to this wonderful mystery of the fact 
that God would be willing to send his only son to the world, that Christ Jesus, the son of God, died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Another mystery, something that we can't do by our human possibility, but that only God can do. And then he says, verse 7 again, reiterates the fact that he was made a minister. This wasn't Paul's choice. Paul's choice originally was to persecute the Christian church, and, and it was God who made him into a minister, uh, which is another word for servant um, of, of his church. And, uh, and where Paul really considered himself, the lowly position Paul considered himself to be in, in verse 8, he considered himself to be chief of sinners, the very least of all saints. That's the apostle Paul. And through, through him and through the church, look at, at uh, in verse uh, 10, through the church, that's us, to make known that manifold mystery of God to the world. That's kind of interesting. Uh, oftentimes the knock against the Christian faith is, oh, you're so particular, you insist that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Well, we do because Jesus said that. But here's the thing, the door is wide open to anybody and everybody who believes it doesn't make any difference what nationality you are, what gender you are, what age you are, what you've done uh, in the past. Anybody who believes in Jesus Christ can be saved. That's a wide, wide door that's there uh, to come to Christianity. Yes, it's a narrow way. It's only through Jesus Christ. But thank God for letting us know that so that we could uh, so that we could be saved. And then in the last part of the chapter, Paul just delves into this, what he truly prays for them, that they might truly come to know the depth, the height, the width, the uh, the length, the breadth of the love of God in Christ Jesus, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I think that's really important, especially for us today, because as in every generation, we think we're pretty smart. We've, we've discovered a whole bunch of things. Science has, has shown us many new, new things that we've never known about this world. We can do more things in surgery. For crying out loud, we do heart surgery without uh, even opening up the chest now, things like that. That's wonderful. But you know what? The height, the breadth, the length, the depth of the love of God for us still far, far, far exceeds that. And when when Satan puts that thought in our hearts, well, you know, if God were a loving God, then why did this happen or why did that happen? Why didn't God stop this? Why didn't God do that? And get us to question God's love. It's always questioning God's love, which, by the way, Satan tried to get Adam and Eve to question too, and it worked, and they fell. And we fall too. Just go back and read this again, this wonderful doxology about the, the, the height, the depth, the breadth of the love of God for you and bask in the glory of that and spend the rest of eternity praising and thanking God for that wonderful gift. That's just chapter three. God bless you as you read.